If you would, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1. We're going to look briefly here at a text. Right up front at the beginning of Mark's Gospel about Jesus. Notice these words as you join with me here. Mark chapter 1, and then we're going to pick up reading with verse 14 and go to 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let us pray. Lord, may our thoughts, may our words today be pleasing unto you and may they be in the power of Of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Does it matter what you do? Your decisions, your choices, your actions, your words, do they really matter what you say, think, watch, take in? Does it it really in the end matter? We oftentimes maybe think that it doesn't, or at least live as if it doesn't. I mean, after all, many times when we do something, or even say something, no one notices. Even it seems that God doesn't notice. I mean, we've all failed Him, we've all sinned against Him, and yet the wrath didn't come down like it did in the Old Testament. God was silent. Even when, even when we've done well, even when we've been good, there seems to just still be silence from both God and others at times. But, my friends, it matters. It matters what you do. It matters to God. It matters to your neighbor. Your life matters. Like a rock being thrown into a lake, your life ripples to others all the way at the shore. Every word, every thought, every deed, it matters. Psalm 19.4 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Sounds like your words matter. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Our thoughts matter. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I the Lord search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And then again in Romans 2.6, He will render to each one according to his works. Our deeds matter. Yes, the scriptures say that our words, our thoughts, our deeds, they are of great concern. And because they are of great concern to God, because they are of great concern to others... 
We must repent and believe. For who among us would be able to raise their hand honestly and say that their words, thoughts, and deeds are always pleasing to God? And if they are not, then we need to take Mark's upfront first message of Jesus seriously. For these are the first words that Jesus speaks in the Gospel of Mark. And here is what he says. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. So what is repentance? What does it mean? Feeling ashamed? Feeling sorry? Feeling guilty? And wanting to do better? Is that what repentance is? It's not, actually. Repentance doesn't have much to do with how you feel or how you don't feel. If you've noticed, the Bible isn't all that concerned with just our feelings. I mean, Jesus nowhere is trying to convince someone to feel a certain way about him. Rather, though, to repent and then believe and to act and to walk in his ways. These are concrete things. They are not things that we feel. In other words, it's not just the thought that counts in this way. Instead, it must be in our words, truly in our thoughts, and in our deeds. No, repentance is changing the way you act. Changing the way you think about the way you act. Repentance is a turning away from sin and a to God. That's what repentance is. It's a realigning of one's self, of one's mind, and allowing the inbreaking of the kingdom. For the kingdom is at hand, right? This kingdom to rush upon us, this spirit, this triune God to come in us. And realign us. Kind of like when you all of a sudden take a different turn and your GPS wants you to go this way and it says recalibrating, relocating. This is what repentance does in our lives is it realigns us to what is right, to what is godly, to what is holy. It's not just trying harder. It's not just wanting to do better. Feelings, wants... Only go so far. There must be action. And repentance is action. If you actually took a lexicon and started looking up the term repent in the Greek, in the Bible, you're going to find that it actually means at base to change one's mind. To be converted. This is cognitive, obviously. And then if you... Look at the second major word here, repent, then believe. You look that word up and start doing a little word study on that, you're going to see that the essence of believe is actually worthy of trust. Something that is worthy of your actions, considered to be true. And this is volitional. In other words, it has to do with the will. So repentance actually has to do with the way we even think about God or think about others or think about our life And then belief has to do with actually carrying that out in action. 
lot of times we have that backwards, don't we? We often say, oh yeah, you need to believe in Jesus that he rose from the dead. Was that what belief is? Is just believing in your head? Not according to this. It's living like Jesus rose from the dead yesterday. And is coming tomorrow. I mean, have we ever stopped and really thought about Jesus coming tomorrow? Would our words be different today? Would our actions be changed? Would our thoughts be realigned? A dear saint in the church, Kruger Independent Methodist Church that I pastored while I was in seminary, uh, went on to be with the Lord this week. And I did the funeral, I think it was Wednesday, yes. And every time that you're confronted with death, you think about your own mortality. And rightfully so. As this body was before me, I thought about my body one day being before others. Being before God. How do we realign ourselves when we think of our mortality? No, repentance is stopping. Just stopping whatever it is we're doing. Turning around and going in a different direction. We cannot, if we have been in sin or been wronged or wronged others... Or omitted things in our life. We cannot continue to keep going on, pressing the gas, hoping we'll arrive at the right destination. We must stop. We must turn around and go in a different direction. And this is what we call repentance. Repentance, as you know already, as good theologians and biblical scholars, is the gateway to salvation. If you've read the Bible for five minutes, you know that. If you've been a Christian... For any length of time, you know repentance is the way into the kingdom. As we spoke last week, confession gets the ball rolling. Repentance is the gate by which we then believe. For finally we turn toward the light and away from the darkness. And this is what repentance means. And yet, we're never far from the gate, are we? Even though we enter the gate of justification, of salvation, of forgiveness of sins, as you just said in the creed, we believe in the forgiveness of sins. We enter that through repentance, and yet we go back to that often, or we should, in our life. It's not just a one-time thing. For repentance and belief is the formula for life in Christ. It is the first message Jesus preached. Truly, it's sort of the thesis of his entire ministry that Mark wants to show us in his gospel. You see, my friends, if we're honest, sin, even after we're saved, even after we come to Jesus, are made alive in Christ, are given the Holy Spirit, sin continues to contaminate our words. 
it continues to slip into our thinking and it lurks behind our deeds. There's oftentimes, if we're honest and confess, a mixture of selfishness and godliness. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll know you'll come to a place where you realize that although the reign of sin in your life has been broken, sin remains. There's more that needs to be forgiven. Every Christian, every theologian, every church person since Jesus rose from the dead and started the church has experienced this same thing and that is the power of sin has been broken in our lives and yet sin still remains deeply ingrained within us. And we must do what we did at the beginning, at the gate, and repent and believe. This is God's formula for us to receive more of His grace. It is why, in just a moment, you'll you'll join me in a liturgy that you've become familiar with during communion where we repent together with one voice and receive as one people, Jesus' forgiveness of sins. The scripture says this in Proverbs 28, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Brothers and sisters, whatever is not confessed and renounced cannot be healed. As long as you continue to push it down, as long as you continue to slide it under the rug as long as you continue to lock it in the closet and not let anyone know it or see it, even though many know it already. God knows it. As long as you hide it, He can't heal it. Now you say, well, there's nothing that God can't do, right? I'm telling you right now, if you hide it from Him, He's not breaking down the door. It has to be confessed It has to be repented of and given to God. Now once you do that, He comes in and heals. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that you can give to God sin-wise that He can't heal. His hand is not short. His arm is not weak to save. But we've got to be willing to give it to Him. And yet we find that I find that in my own life I'm like a kid who wants to do it myself and all the while I'm spilling it everywhere. Ty trying to open up a cookie yesterday, breaking it to pieces inside of there as he rips at the bag. 
finally busted open and it goes everywhere, screaming, weeping and gnashing of teeth. His cookie is lost. All the while, I was feet away wanting to help. Isn't that a great picture of how we often are? God is more willing to help us than we to ask Him. We must repent of that. We must believe that He's ready to take our sins away. For it's why He came, isn't it? To take away the sins of the world. You're not going to be able to bring it into heaven, my friend. It's not going with you. It's not going with me. Why not lay it down today? Why not repent this very moment and receive His grace, His help in our time of need? I ran across a quote that says, Confession breaks the pattern, but it takes renunciation to kill the cycle. Renunciation is repentance. We're not going back. We're not looking back. You can kind of say it in political terms like this. It's time to repeal and to replace. That's what God wants to do in your life. I don't care what they're doing in Washington. I honestly don't. I used to care. I don't really care that much anymore. But I do care what's happening in the kingdom brother and sister. I do care what's happening in your life and God wants to turn you around in some areas. He wants to turn me around in some areas and he wants to replace it with good. For here's what the scripture says, we don't overcome evil with evil, but evil with good. That's how evil is overcome. We don't just as Christians stop doing everything, go hide ourselves in the closet or in the woods. No, We replace it with acts of goodness and kindness and mercy and forgiveness toward others. And when we do that, you will find that there's happiness that bubbles up in your life. Not something manufactured by you. Not a joy that is from humans, but rather a joy that is from God, unspeakable and full of glory. But it must be laid down. Laid down on the altar, just as in our readings of Abraham this morning in Genesis, where he laid his own son down, we must lay down whatever is precious to us. I'll save you the L-O-R-T, L-O-T-R, sorry, uh, quote that's running through my mind right now about precious. But whatever is precious to you, it must be laid down. And here's what's cool about it. You say, man, I I don't know. I, I really enjoy this thing. God will replace it with something so much better that you haven't even thought about. Our minds, the scripture says, can't even conceive what God has in store for us. You know, a kid, my kids at least, All about some candy. All about some sweets. They love it. Ice cream, they could do it through a 
uh, IV. They would just be hooked up all day long to sugar, you know, if they could. And they think right now that sugar, candies, and sweets, that's the top of the world right there. If I could just have a room full of that, I'd be on top of the world. When they hit puberty, their desires will change. We'll watch that happen. Candy will take a back seat to other things. To girls, for Blakely, for boys. This is what happens to us. And to ask a teenager, (laughs) what would be top of the list is not going to be candy. Not truthfully. And you know what? We think sexual desire and pleasure as adults are top of the line. Some of the greatest pleasure that we have. But God has something just like moving from chocolate to sex that is way better than what we can think of in our minds. He has that for us. He has that for everybody. He has desires for you even here. We don't even have to wait. That's the good news of the gospel is this. We don't even have to wait. We can be satisfied in Christ now and all of our senses, desires, mind, purified, are amplified. For we have drank from the wrong drink, which is the drink of the world. And we have become dull in our senses. God has so much more for us if we will repent and believe. So this morning, come to the altar of God just as Abraham did. Lay down your sacrifice, for God will provide for us. You be faithful to do what He says. I don't know what He's going to tell you when you repent and believe, but He knows, and He will realign your life. He'll renew your mind. He'll change the way you think about God and about others. And then what we do from there is we get up and we walk in that. You see, the lie is that we have time. The lie is we can do it later. The lie is no one's watching. The lie is no one really cares. That it doesn't matter or that we're okay. But this is a lie from a liar who is the father of lies. No, the time has come to realign yourself to Jesus and to His kingdom. To literally center your life around what God is doing in the world and not just what you're doing in the world. He wants you on His side and the only way to do that is to renounce your life and your ways and repent of your sin And believe on the Lord Jesus. Friends, today is the day of salvation. Do not delay. Choose this day who you're going to serve. For it matters. What we do matters. What we think matters. What we say matters. What's in our heart matters. Matter matters. What we do with our body matters. 
Our marriage matters. Our family matters. Our friends matter. Worshiping together on Sunday matters. Small groups, they matter. Scripture, prayer, fasting, falling in love with Jesus, it all matters. It all matters. Loving your neighbor matters to God. Oh God, save us from ourselves. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May our prayer be not my will, but thine. And may the kingdom break in on us this very hour. And may your spirit be poured out upon all. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. We repent. We believe. Amen.